Welcome to the 400 level. Bo Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, DJ Raytone, coming at you from the Kawatone Studios in the northern Atlanta Burbs, Smyrna, Georgia, to be uh, to be more exact. DJ Raytone, what's going on, brother? Been a busy week, man, uh, you know, but I'm built for this, man. Feeling good, feeling great. It's going to be a great weekend, great show. Let's get it. Crazy week for me as well, man. We uh, Long at long weekend, last weekend of uh, double headers and day games and all kind of stuff going on at uh, SunTrust Park. Lots of stuff going on in the radio world, AM shifts, PM shifts, you know, all kind of stuff. Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons actually had practice yesterday. Like, no pads. Many camps are going on okay, in the NFL yes, right now. About that time, about that time. Uh, no pads, lots of helmets, but the whole team was there, minus the two picks that they had from uh, from California that are still in college. So, uh, dude, it's it's the NBA Finals just ended yeah, rather, it, rather abruptly like we kind of thought they would. Yeah, uh, I think we both thought it, the series would be a little bit longer than – than it, than it turned out to be, but uh, I would still say it was compelling stuff, and uh, congrats to the Golden State Warriors. They have regained their crown. Absolutely. Golden State Warriors get the crown back. So baseball's in full swing. Basketball's ending. Football's getting cranked up. We got a whole lot to cover today. Let's throw it around. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Who's on first? You know the guy's oh. name's on the baseball team? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yeah. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy's playing first. Who? The guy's playing first base. Who? The guy's playing first base. <laughs> Who is on first? Why are you asking me? I don't know. It's time to throw it around on the 400 level. So, the New England Patriots are kind of in the news. Okay. So, they, uh, we got to see the New England Patriots Super Bowl rings for the first time over, over the week. Very nice. Very, and, very, um, very gaudy. You know, <laughs> very gaudy. They have all, you know, all the five trophies on there sure. uh, depicted on the ring itself. I'd like to see a real-life version of this thing just to see how big it is. It's got to be, you know, like half-dollar size. Of course, all the Super Bowl rings are big and Pretty large. You know, you definitely want to let everyone know that you are a champion. So, in the city of Atlanta, anyway, it's felt like the New England Patriots are trolling the Atlanta Falcons because of the fact that the New England Patriots put 283 diamonds in their Super Bowl championship rings. So 283 diamonds, uh, I guess that is to mock the uh, deficit that the Patriots recovered from uh, in, in the Super Bowl. I uh, know they were down 28-3. to so 28-3 to three is what they were down. Now, see, people are taking offense to this. Now, in the city of Atlanta, of course you're going to because you're still butthurt over the fact that it even happened in the first place. Sure, sure. But, hey, with a little bit better coaching, maybe that doesn't happen. But right. we're not going to get back into that. You have to kind of look at this thing as the Patriots – symbolizing the fact that they came back from 28-3, not that the Falcons were up 28-3. You, feel, you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it To me, it's a testament to uh, just some you know intestinal fortitude that the Patriots had to recover from a 25-point second-half deficit. Uh, I believe the most points that had ever been overcome in a Super Bowl, uh, previous Super Bowl win was 10 points. And these guys yes. overcame a 25-point deficit. And um, so... They deserve the right to be proud of that yeah, and to, uh, you know, obviously that ring is a reminder for uh, days and years to come. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was a remarkable feat and it should be remembered in some way. They're not just, they're not trying to poke fun at the Falcons. You right. know? It could have been right. any team. They're more remembering the fact that they came back from down 28-3. Exactly. You know, if you want to take it any way you want to take it as a Falcons fan, well, that's up to you. But, I mean, I don't think that they're, 
intentionally poking fun at the Falcons as much as they are trying to just remember the fact that a 25-point deficit in any football game is a remarkable accomplishment, especially in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Well, I do believe that the Patriots and Falcons play each other. On, they're on the schedule to play each other next year. They are in November, yes. Yeah, so, you know, this is one of those things, uh, you know, I always say, you know, if you don't want your opponent, uh, you know, trolling or being pompous about the result, do something about it. Don't let them score. Yeah. So we finally have a date. So the Mayweather-McGregor super fight, as it's being dubbed, officially has a date. And now when, it, when, the, when the August 26th date came out yesterday, I saw it first reported by Bleacher Report. It looked like they had, they had blocked off that date and they had, is it Mandalay Bay, is it? No, I believe they're doing it at. Uh, let's see, it's it's the home, the, the brand new Home Depot Stadium out. I'm not stadium, but I'm sorry, uh, event center in Las okay, Vegas. Okay, Mandalay right. Bay is where the fight this weekend's happening. Then yes, I'm just well, getting them crossed. Yeah, Ward so, and Kovalev. Yep. Yeah, so they blocked off a date, but they didn't say that the fight was official, right. like officially signed. Now McGregor and Mayweather quickly took to social media saying, "Hey, this fight's going to happen." So I don't know if there's any way they can not have it happen now but i don't has there been contract nego- contract signed from, from what i understand both sides have signed dana uh, white did come out and say y- yep. the fight's going to happen at 154 pounds 154 pounds um you know i don't believe that there will be an actual championship belt on the line so it's just more of an event you know mayweather has been retired so of course he retired as a champion but those titles are now vacant because he yeah. retired you know that's just the natural practice of boxing uh but you know doesn't really matter what title belt's on the line. These guys, it's more of an event. It's more of a circus versus a boxing match. Um, I still say that I'm on record. I am, as a huge boxing fan, I'm not overly excited about this matchup. But at the same time, I would be idiotic to say that it wouldn't be an event that many, many, many millions of people want to see. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that the media circus leading up to this fight is going to be probably more entertaining than the fight itself. Right. Now, because this fight is an officially sanctioned fight, sure. they have a referee. Yep. Um, it's being recognized by whatever board of boxing. Mm-hmm. So if Floyd wins, he will move his record to 50 and 0. Absolutely. Right? It will and be, that's it, probably it, his driving force behind finding somebody that he thinks he can beat because right. Floyd's always kind of dodged the, the – the big fights or waited until boxers are past their prime. And that is that is kind of been his mo, right? That is his uh, reputation. Um, you know, uh, pretty especially since he's moved up in the heavier weights, uh, he has not often fought guys that you would say are in their prime. He has definitely waited to they're a little bit past their prime. You know, I just think, like I said, I don't know if Floyd's the greatest boxer of all time, but he is definitely the best businessman that boxing has ever seen. And uh, man, you know kudos and props to him for making this McGregor fight happen. I mean, it's a complete money grab. Um, he is in no danger of losing this fight and will run his record of 50 and 0, besting Rocky Marciano's record of 49 and 0. So you're putting you're putting money on on Mayweather hands down like you well, think he's I'm, you know, I'm number one, I'm not putting any money on this and if I had to put money on the result, I'm going to tell you what result to me is uh I could see happening. I could see Conor McGregor getting disqualified in this fight. I can see that kind of happening, too. I don't know if it's if he bites him or chokes him, and I actually kind of hope that happens. Right. I don't care if it's <laughs> round one or round two. Um, there's there's a, there's a Braves game that night, so I'm getting off work really late. I do know a couple people are going to purchase this fight and oh, have parties sure. at their house. I'm sure. going to make my way somewhere to, to watch this fight yep. because I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. Okay. I, I love the fact that there's going to be a media circus surrounding it. Conor McGregor is one of my favorite people on a microphone because he does nothing but talk trash. He has a badass accent. You know, I'm not a fan of Floyd Mayweather whatsoever, 
Nothing would please me more than to see one of two outcomes, and that's one, Conor McGregor making a fool out of uh, Floyd by landing a haymaker in one of the first few rounds and knocking him out. Okay. Or two, Conor McGregor doing the UFC, WWE, entertainment thing, getting disqualified somehow. If he grabs him by a rear naked choke and just chokes him on the ground and he has to be pried off of him and they ring the bell and cancel the fight, that will please me so much. Right. I mean, obviously, Conor McGregor's not going to leave any money on the table, so he he must understand that any disqualification will come with some type of substantial fine. So he'll need to understand that. But at the same time, there's going to be so much money in this pot. He may not even care about that. Now, a disqualification would still land the victory in – Mayweather's oh no question win column yes. also yeah so, so I mean, it almost begs you to kind of wonder if, I, if they've discussed something like this I'm, already. I'm, I'm on record saying that I feel like a disqualification loss for Conor McGregor is as likely as a Floyd Mayweather knockout of McGregor yeah now you know the only way I can see a, a Mayweather knockout because he hadn't knocked anybody out in like 10 years it wouldn't seem you know I mean well I mean McGregor does cut so the fight could also be stopped on cuts yep, yep. so that would constitute a knockout okay, victory a TKO right exactly exactly so, so but I, I don't it. think Connor can go 12 rounds with Floyd he's used to going three five minute rounds right you know it's exhausting for somebody who is, and especially with the with how Floyd boxes, he well, dances, he, he and, gets and, in there and, and he, he pokes and, around and, and and let's let's keep it real here. Uh, you know, boxing they call it the sweet science for a reason. Yep. Conor McGregor has never boxed in a professional match, and then now you're going to throw him in with one of the greatest pugilists the sport has ever seen, even at age forty, Floyd Mayweather. Expect for him to come in there with just an extreme high pedigree of skill. And you're bringing a guy who has never boxed in a professional arena. So I don't see it happening, but I tell you what, millions and millions and millions will pay their money that night to see if it can happen. Absolutely, and, I, and I'll be one of them. I'm not going to order it at my house, but I'll throw in 10, 15 bucks if fuck. Because I've heard people saying that they don't think that this is going to be a 99 99 fight. They're thinking this thing might be up in the $150 range. Well, and you know what? These guys, you know, the promote Mayweather Promotions, uh, you know, Dana White obviously is on board. They're going to have this priced at a spot where they know people will still pay for it. Yeah. You know, uh, don't expect a discount on this one. It's not happening. And it, I mean, it could go down. you, you got to think about the fact that pay-per-view is worldwide. Worldwide. And this fight's going to draw, and it's going to draw a lot just because of, of what we are hoping and expecting as the entertainment value. Right. I'm just hoping we get that. Yeah. If it goes 12 and it's unanimous decision it's not on going Mayweather, it's not going 12. It's not going to be, you know. It's not going so 12. So for it not to go 12, you're going to have to have McGregor knock Mayweather out or McGregor bleed to death almost. Well, and you said it earlier. The buildup for this fight Correct, is, yes. is the event. The press conferences. Um, the sound bites. That's the that is to me half of the selling ticket here as far as the Mayweather this McGregor. Thing, this thing's happening fast. August twenty sixth. Yeah, it's well, happening before the the Canelo Triple yeah, G fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's it, it's almost taking the limelight a little bit away from Canelo Triple G as far as build up and anticipation. That, that has to be done on purpose. And that's a, and, and and also we have a huge light heavyweight championship fight this weekend that yep, no one is yep, talking, about. talking about. It. You know, and that's unfortunate for the sport, but uh, you know. It is what it is. So we uh, we talked a little bit last week about the uh, College World Series, and you know the College World Series doesn't get a whole lot of play. And we're talking about the men's baseball championships. Uh, the College World Series is set. Omaha is set. Eight teams are headed to Omaha. Uh, it's going to start tomorrow afternoon. You've got 
LSU, Oregon State, Florida State, Cal State, Florton. In one side of the bracket, you've got Florida, TCU, Louisville, Texas A&M on the other side of the bracket. Uh, Oregon State, the number one ranked school in the country. LSU, the number four ranked school in the country. Uh, you got Florida and Louisville and TCU at three, seven, and six, respectively. Texas A&M comes in as an unranked team. Cal State, Florida, and Florida State come in as unranked teams. Okay. Uh, LSU will face Florida State tomorrow night. Oregon State will face Cal State Fullerton uh, tomorrow night. So if you're looking for some very entertaining baseball or if you're a fan of, of baseball at all or any sport for that matter, check out the College World Series this week and the following week. It's going to be it's going to be great entertainment, great theater. Hopefully LSU gets crowned as a champ as I am an LSU Tiger uh, this time next week. We're going to come back with some more amateur baseball talk. We're going to talk about the MLB draft a little bit. The MLB draft happened last week. We're not going to go over all 50 rounds. Don't worry. We're not going to put you to sleep with that because I know a lot of people don't even care. But the Atlanta Braves did have the number five overall pick as well as the 41st pick, which is the fifth pick in the uh, second round. I'm going to tell you a little bit about those two players. They actually signed one of them this morning. Nice. We're also going to talk about – the Atlanta Braves and a pretty significant injury that we kind of forecasted last week on the uh, 400 level. And we're going to talk about these NBA finals that were over kind of kind of quickly. And is this a little foreshadowing of things to come? But first, what's Tone spending this week? You hear in the background the uh, legendary Tupac Shakur. Uh, today would have been his 46th birthday. Uh, definitely want to celebrate that. Uh, in the background, we're listening to two of America's most wanted, a duet with the uh, also legendary Snoop Dogg. Today, also in theaters, the All, I, All Eyes on Me biopic pick, uh, the Tupac movie, hits theaters. Uh, I'm trying to check that out sometime this weekend. Um, so definitely happy birthday, Tupac. Continue to rest in power, and uh, we'll be listening to a little bit more Pac throughout the show today. Now, Pac turned 46 today. I don't I don't think that he would have turned 46. Pac's alive somewhere. I'm still a firm believer. In <laughs> I think he's off in Paris with a Feeny, and uh, they're kicking it. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, okay. It, it's just fun to you know conspiracy theorize a little bit. Now, all eyes on me. Now, is this movie supposed to be set in the same universe as Straight Outta Compton? Because they kind of they kind of foreshadowed this movie at the end of Straight Outta Compton. It's the same cat that played Tupac in Straight Outta Compton is playing Tupac in this movie. Absolutely not. Nope. Nope. That is that is incorrect. Oh, it's uh, not the same guy. Not not the same guy. A different guy. Um, and I don't I don't know if the two are gonna end up meshing as far as uh, you know the chronological flavor of it. I have heard that the movie uh, the Tupac movie focuses more on. Um, his death row days, as far as the All Eyes on Me album, I don't, and, and also his his childhood and upbringing. So it may not focus too much on like the first few Tupac albums. But you know, I have not seen the movie yet. All that remains to be seen. Yeah. Once I, uh, so I wonder if they're even the same production company then. I, I think is made it by two totally is. different two totally different situations. So it's just I ironic that they came out, uh, you know. Yeah. Within a year or two of each other. Sure. It's sure. almost like it's a sequel, but not quite. But I will say this, though. This Tupac biopic has been in the works for many, many okay. years. All right. Maybe even before the Straight Outta Compton stuff started. So it's just right. a matter of them having, you know, having the, you know, the, the, the backing and the financial... Uh, you know, ways to make this movie happen. Well, that's so. not the same cat that played Tupac in Straight Outta Compton. There's a couple dudes out there that can make a living and actually already have. I'm sure they of are. impersonating yeah. Tupac and maybe doing some yeah. uh, some cover shows. So uh, Yeah, this guy that's uh, starring in this movie, and forgive me for not knowing this actor's name, this is his film debut. Okay, all right. Yeah. There you go. DJ Raytone spinning pot today, one of the best rappers of all time. We'll be back in the 400 level.
Welcome back to the 400 level. Bo Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, DJ Raytone spinning Tupac today as we come back in. Happy birthday, Pac. Happy birthday. 46th birthday, Tupac Shakur, man. Just kind of kind of almost dates us, dates yourself, kind of makes you feel like. But we're getting more seasoned as we as we approach, you know, the second halves of our lives. And uh, things, things are kind of looking good. You know what I'm saying? I'm okay with being dated. A, a lot of people, you know, whenever I'll post on, like, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, they're like, man, Jermaine, you're dating yourself. I was like, you know what, man? I am a proud, proud member of, of the born in the 1970s club, right. and um, I own it every day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually a member of the same club. 1977, New York Yankees won the, won the world championship that year. Reggie Jackson's dubbed Mr. October in 1977. Lots of great stuff going on, staying alive and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get into some baseball talk. We want to take a second real quick just to thank you for uh, subscribing to the podcast on a- Apple Podcasts. On SoundCloud, all you gotta do is download the app and search the 400 level and find us. Then we want you to go tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad. You can share the podcast. You can share the podcast with your best friend or your girlfriend or your wife. You can text a link to the podcast home. Absolutely. All you gotta do is text it. I Boom. Do, I, I do it all the time. I gotta, I gotta text break. a link to the podcast, and it's a playable link. Yep. So you can. Text a link to the podcast to your next-door neighbor or best friend. They can play the podcast straight from the link on the text message without even having to go into Apple Podcasts. The beauty of the auxiliary cord. The auxiliary cord generation, man. All the time you're in your car in that Atlanta traffic, that Tampa traffic. If you're at West Coast listening to us, we appreciate you. Thanks for downloading. Also, thank you for following us on Twitter. I am at Jedi Sports Radio. DJ Raytone is at DJ Raytone. You can follow the show at 400 Level Radio. You can like our Facebook pages. The 400 level on Facebook, DJ Raytone on Facebook. Go check us out. Give us a like. Yeah. So the Atlanta Braves are now at 29 and 36 after taking two out of three in Washington and putting up an ungodly amount of runs in the last couple of days. So kudos to that. We always like beating the Washington Nationals. But before we get into the Major League Baseball right now talk, we're going to talk about the future of Major League Baseball just a little bit. As the uh, Major League Baseball amateur draft just happened last week. Now, as like I said before we went to break, this thing's 50 rounds long. It took three days to complete. Over 1,000 players are drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. Wow. Now, you got to think that Major League Baseball encompasses multiple levels as it's all structured that way. And this is a, th- a lot of things that, you know, other sports, as far as I'm concerned, should do the same thing and have them all under the same umbrella. Whereas, you know, NBA has like the D-League and the amateur leagues and all kind of football. There's, there's only college where they could be using these leagues like the arena leagues to season players and actually have farm systems. Develop talent. Yes. Right. But there's not, unfortunately. NFL teams only have practice squads, and, and, you know, they go searching for free agents to walk in off the street and whatnot. So with the number five pick overall, the Atlanta Braves took Kyle Wright, right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt, 6'4", 220, huge kid, right-handed pitcher, a little bit of a flamethrower, gets up to uh, 97, 95 on his fastball. Has a curveball and a cutter. He's working on a changeup right now. This guy's 21 years old, as okay. opposed to kids that are going to be drafted out of high school that are 17, 18. You know, you can kind of compare NCAA baseball with the first two levels of minor professional baseball, whereas the competitiveness that you're seeing, this kid's already kind of been throwing against and playing against competitive baseball players for, you know, the last three or four years. So with that being said, you know, him at age 21, he may be ready to be a part of the Braves rotation within a couple of years. Kyle Wright was looked at by many. He was the number three ranked player by MLB.com going into the draft. And wow. he fell to us at number five. This is actually the guy the Braves wanted. Okay. He very well could have gone number one overall. 
and he's actually being looked at when he joins the Braves organization. He's already looked being looked at as a guy that can come in and mentor some of these young kids that are coming out of high school and that have been in A and double A ball for the last couple of years. You might see Kyle Wright up in an Atlanta Braves uniform within the next year or two. That's awesome. It's a, it's a pretty exciting pick that we got. Another another great arm in our organization. You know, you can legitimately look at our double A, triple A levels and and pick out five or six potential superstars. Uh, that we have coming up through our organization and in, the, in our pitching staff. And it's a beautiful thing, too, when you have someone that you are coveting in a draft, and when they fall you to you, yeah. and they fall to and you at the fifth spot, yeah. that's a thing of beauty. Happy, happy, man. man. Happy, man. happy. Are you Great pick. Me? Yeah. The second pick with the uh, number 41st pick overall, fifth pick in the second round of the draft, a kid named Drew Waters out of Etowah High School over in uh, Woodstock. Oh, local boy. Okay. Uh, Etowah High School just won the Class 7A championship last year, and Drew Waters was the state of Georgia high school player of the year. Mm. And goes to the Braves. I mean, a dream come true. Absolutely. Now, see, I think this might be – we might be the team of all 30 Major League Baseball teams that could have actually – pluck this kid out of high school, and actually sign him. Now, he hasn't signed yet. He is expected to because there's a lot of money involved in this. Now, the thing about Drew Waters is that he's a UGA commit. Okay. All right, he's already committed to the University of Georgia. He could forego. He hadn't signed anything yet. He hadn't attended a class. He can still forego his his college education or his trip to college and go into the professional levels. As soon or, as he steps foot on UGA's campus, he's got to stay there for three years or until he turns 21. That's how Major League Baseball works. Okay. That's how the NBA should be structured instead of one and done. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at that. That, make, that makes perfect it sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and this kid will just have to basically – he'll have to see, A, where his talent level is yep. currently. And does he want to enjoy that college experience before making the big bucks? So, you know, decisions. But uh, I'd say good choices. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he's got he's got two decisions he can make. Either yeah. one of them could, could go either way. Either he becomes a very wealthy man right now or he goes and lives the college life. Can't hate him for either one. Uh, 6'2", 185, kind of a skinny kid. Yeah. Uh, center fielder, switch hitter. You know, like I said – He's, uh, he's got power from the left side of the plate, from the right side of the plate. He uh, hits his gaps, kind of like one Chipper Jones that used to play right Very here nice. in Atlanta. Oh, oh. You know, he's got some speed. The Chipper so, Jones. So, uh, you know, this kid could have looked at uh, in the future of the Atlanta Braves organization if he does forego his, uh, his trip to college. But if he goes to UGA, then we can't hate him for that either. Good problems. Absolutely great problems to have. That's all we're going to talk about the MLB draft. We're going to get into the Major League Baseball right now. So, as we, as we just said, the Braves come off a trip to Washington – it was a, uh, a three-game. They went up there for one three-game series. Now they're back home tonight for the longest homestand of the season at 10 games. Very we nice. We started off with the Miami Marlins coming to town tonight. Sean Newcomb getting his second start in Major League Baseball. Man, I hope this kid comes out and just has a great night. Of course, he's got left-handed pitcher going up against one of the most feared right-handed bats in baseball, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, I don't think he's going to show any fear, and he might go at right after these guys tonight. Definitely. Um would love to see the Braves come home and take advantage of this 10-game homestand. You know, uh, you know, the Mets came in town, kind of cleaned our clocks a little bit last week, uh, was really looking at the Braves to kind of maybe distance themselves and really get a hold on that second place in the NL East. You know, obviously Washington is the class of the, uh, class of the division. But I would like the Braves to start playing better against the Mets, the Marlins, the Phillies, to really, really solidify – you know, second place, and uh, let them know what direction, or let the fans know what direction this team is going in. Now, the uh, out west, the Arizona Diamondbacks are in second place in their division at 41 wins. So you can kind of look at that as being, and they were 11 games behind that. But the that's, next, that's the wild card bar that you're that I believe you're, yeah, you're speaking of. Yeah, and the about, Dodgers right? are also at 41 wins yeah. in, in that same division. So the two wild card teams could come out of that division or the two teams that play the, the, the one-game playoff. So we've got, some, sure. we've got some ground to make up, but we've got a full half of a season to go. 
to do it. And I think that we can, you know, but you're right. You've got to take advantage of 10-game homestands like this. If we, can, if we can have one or two sweeps in there and come out of this thing with seven or eight wins, that would be absolutely huge. Yes. But there's, there's, there's absolutely no excuse for finishing less than 500 on this homestand. Right. Now, something that might impede us from doing so, we actually talked about this last week, almost called it, and I hope if you believe in stuff like jinxes, and uh, speaking things into existence. Yes, <laughs> Matt Kemp in this third game of these this this series with the Nationals, sliding into third base, comes up gimpy, injures his hamstring, gonna have an MRI, awaiting the results. Right now he's day to day. It would not surprise me if he lands on the DL for the second time. Right. We spoke about this last week. Matt Kemp, thirty two years old, injury prone, soft tissue injuries. Trade him now. Do not wait. Yeah, and you know now you know you you add a, you add another nick, you add another injury. Uh, hopefully, this is something that uh, is day to day, and we don't have a tear here. We don't have a pull here. Uh, Matt Kemp obviously is tremendous trade bait because uh, he swings a mean stick. Um, great dugout guy, uh, but just uh, he keeps getting dinged up, man. And um, you know. He is trade bait for the Braves. Uh, like it or not, I know he is one of the premier sticks in our lineup right now, but if we're going to get younger and get better, uh, there's going to be some contenders that are going to be inquiring about Matt Kemp later on in the season as the pennant push starts. And if Matt Kemp is injured, no one's going to want to pick him up. Matt Kemp is right there on the cusp of being voted into the All-Star game and possibly as a starter. Wow. You know, he's been still batting way over 300. He's up to 11 home runs now, if I'm not mistaken. And this is in limited time because he's missed some games. So He's the, already been on the DL yeah, once. Yeah, the, num- the numbers are great for someone who's missed the amount of games that he has. But, you know, once again, you know, just the, uh, the, the, the he's an injury-prone guy. I mean, we got to say it what it is. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah, and no offense to Matt Kemp. You know, I love Matt Kemp. He's been a great player for us. He, he, he grew up a Braves fan. Right. We'd love to see him here. I mean – He's 32, so he's on the wrong side of 30, but he's still got five or six good years, assuming sure. health, that he could be productive. But he is not the guy, let's face it, let's be honest, he's not the guy that's going to be the future of this Atlanta Braves franchise. Absolutely not. I mean, you got you know Freddie Freeman right now, even as he sits on the disabled list, is clearly the face of the Braves. Um, you know, Matt Kemp is just one of those things. I mean, I say this all the time. The best ability is availability. Got to have you Correct. out there. And uh, if you're not available to produce – we got to start looking in other directions. So if it's up to me, man, you you give Kemp as much time as he needs. You make sure this freaking hamstring is fully, 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 fully healed. If you have to shut him down to the All-Star break, I say do it. You know, we're only about a month out from the All-Star break, maybe even only about three weeks, not looking at a calendar right now. Right. you got to get Matt Kemp healed. You hope that he comes back still hitting at the at the caliber of hitting that he's hitting before this injury. Sure. You have to trade him, man. Right. The trade deadline is going to come up before you know it. You've got – pieces on your team that you can get value for at the deadline like a Jaime Garcia like a Brandon Phillips you know these players have come out and said especially Brandon Phillips actually this week he knows there's a possibility of him getting traded he grew up here in the Atlanta suburbs he wants to stay on this team but he's realistic and he knows that he could get traded at the deadline Brandon Phillips has been relatively healthy this year and for his career Keep guys like that on the back burner for potential trade bait at the deadline, man. But as soon as Kemp establishes any type of value after this this most recent injury, man, I think you got to move him, dude. Well, we're you know we're in the business of baseball. Let's 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 remember that. I mean, obviously, Correct. we love going to watch the product on the field, but this is still a business. And at the end of the day, you know, Brandon Phillips, a vet, he's in his mid thirties. He's he's seen this movie before. Yeah, he understands how the wheels turn. Uh, so you know, as these 
guys who are chasing pennant, you know, trying to win divisions. They're trying to bolster their chances to do that, and they're going to pick up talent. This is the way this thing goes. And you want to have Mel- Matt Kemp healthy. That way he becomes that valuable trade bait. And when it comes to Kemp and Brandon Phillips, these are two guys that have never won a championship before. Jaime Garcia has. So at least they have the possibility of getting traded to a contender. And in the back of their brains, they want that too. Well, everybody wants to win a championship. Everybody wants to win a championship, especially once you, you know, by the time a, a, an athlete has gotten into their 30s, they've probably made their money. So now the priority is winning. It should, well, it should be the entire time, but it definitely heightens once you start getting to the, you know, the, the, the back end of your career. So it does give some of the other players a chance to play. Rio Ruiz is going to be playing. Donis Garcia, speaking of injuries, just had surgery on his, uh, on his finger uh, like two days ago. Going to be out for like eight weeks. Going to give players like Juan Camargo and Rio Ruiz a chance over there at third base. And both of those guys have been playing really well, especially Ruiz since he came up from AAA. I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. Um, speaking of youngsters, Dansby Swanson still continues to swing a hot bat. He's got his average up to 220 on the season. He's batting like 375 for the month of June. Yeah, he's turned it around. He's, 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 in, a, he's in a smooth rhythm right now. It's looking good, you know. And, and if you do end up holding on to Brandon Phillips for the next six weeks and then moving him before the deadline – that maybe that might give you the opportunity to bring in Ozzy Albies up. Um, this is exactly what we, we talked about at the beginning of the season. Once you get into late July, August, September, that's when you can expect to see some of these guys come out of, of, of AAA and AA, as, as that's what the fans are looking for. John Coblell has already come out and said this is the last year of this rebuild. You can believe that, but there are going to be some moves made this year. Absolutely. And, you, you know, my thing is – Bring those kids up, you know. Once August, September rolls around, you want to see, you know, you, you want to see your shiny new toys on the big level. That's 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 what you want to do, and that's the way this thing rolls. But at the same time, the Braves are trying to be competitive. This is the last year of the rebuild. You know, you want to give the fan base here in Atlanta reasons to believe, like, hey, shiny SunTrust Park, gonna have a winner in the future. You also have a 27-year-old playing uh, first base right now in Matt Adams. Now, Freddie Freeman. Who, who I, by the way, I, I got to be clear here. I'm a big Matt Adams fan. I love what, what, what a trade that was. I love what he's done he, since he's arrived here in Atlanta, and I really, really, really hope and wish and pray they figure out some place to put this guy other than first base once Freeman returns. And if if, if you're a pessimistic Braves fan out there, let me let me give you two situations that are going on in the NL East right now. You've got the team that I picked to win the, the World Series this year and the Washington Nationals who are 11 games up on any other team in the NL East and they're running away with the division. Right. Then you've got the Atlanta Braves. The Washington Nationals' bullpen problems have been a concern since the beginning of the season, but most notably in the last month. They've gone from training Dakota Glover to Sean Kelly. Now they're on uh, this guy named Albers and, and they can't find anybody to come in and secure leads for Strasburg and for Scherzer, and for Gio Gonzalez, and their bullpens are the ones that have allowed the Atlanta Braves in the last three games to – 29 runs the Braves scored in the last three games. They didn't all come off of starting pitching. The majority of these runs came off of the Nationals' bullpen. Right. Dusty Baker recently came out and said publicly, this bullpen has been a problem for a while and nothing's been done to fix it. Something has to be done soon. That is a direct shot at the Nationals' front office. Right. Well, let me tell you this. You're not winning a championship if that bullpen is a mess. No, that, that, you're mean, not. Because you may get through the NL East and you know win your you know ninety games and win the division. But I promise you this: it's like this in any postseason of baseball, football, basketball. Your weaknesses will show up when you start playing the better teams. Absolutely. It's just a, when you play the fact. better teams every week, it's you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. So you've got 
the Nationals players are also frustrated about this too. You sure. look at Scherzer, who goes six or seven innings of, of two-run ball or one-hit ball. He's one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, only to have your bullpen blow it and you get a no decision. That's extremely frustrating. Or, or I mean, no decision. So, you, you know, you, you start – your record doesn't look as yeah. that good as that ERA does. So that's, that's a terrible thing, and that causes dissension in that dugout as well. It does. So – You've got situations like that going on with the Washington Nationals. Then you let's 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 flash forward over to the uh, to the Atlanta Braves. So our best hitter, who is on his way to an MVP season, kind of regardless of of what our record ends up being, he's going to be in the conversation because he's having that great of a season. And Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman goes out with a shattered wrist or breaks his wrist in like seven place, seven places. The Braves waste no time in replacing Freddie Freeman so that they can continue oh, see, to I, I win baseball games. I see what you're cooking. So, so that the front, the aggression of the front office shows you what direction they are looking for yes. the Atlanta Braves to move into. Where the Washington Nationals, knowing that they have the upper hand as far as talent in the division, continue to sit on their hands and do nothing. Their front office the has done nothing. There are closers out there that they could go out and trade for, and they have not done anything. They're sitting on their hands, and I have no idea why, to be honest with you. I can't figure it out. And that's got to be extremely frustrating to the Washington Nationals fan base because they feel that, you know, like you said, you picked, you picked them to win the World Series this year. they got to strike while the iron's hot because how long are you going to have Bryce Harper in a Nationals uniform? Maybe only for another year, and you especially if, if the front office shows they're not willing to make moves right. so like your, the Braves front office has. So your window is – even Closing. smaller than yeah. it may appear. Absolutely. So you can tell by that example with us bringing in Matt Adams, and we got it was a great trade. Now we're going to pick. We picked up his salary, but we gave the St. Louis Cardinals absolutely nothing. But just the fact that they made the effort to bring somebody in to replace Freddie Freeman's bat and to put somebody at first base shows miles of of where we are as a team. When people start to think negatively of the fact that we're under 500 right now, this organization, this front office wants to win. They will do what it takes to win. If we were in the situation with the Washington, the Washington Nationals are in right now, where we're in first place, but our bullpen's horrible, this front office will make the moves necessary so that we don't have this problem. Right. All right. Well, so, you got to, you got, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big proactive guy versus reactive. And, you know, my thing is this, you know, if we're sitting at a 12, let's, let's get up to a 15. Absolutely. Let's, let's really do this thing, you know, especially if they've got to be smart enough to know that the nationals, you know, you've got a, an aged team there kind of, yeah. especially in your starting rotation with, with Scherzer. Scherzer's up in the 30 something range, but I mean, I mean, he's, 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 he's not a, getting any younger. He's an outright stud, but at the end of the day, like I said, you know, how big is this window? They have to win right now. Absolutely. They have to win right now as an organization so heads up Braves fans our organization is on the come up and our front office wants to win now what do we do with Matt Adams when Freddie Freeman comes back now before any baseball purist hit me up on Twitter in, in talking about position changes you have to give Matt Adams a shot to stay in the lineup and moving Kemp or a hurt Kemp could be that situation to do so. He's never played outfield in the professional level. Again, I'm not sure if he did when he was an amateur. Right. Put him out there. Left field is one of the easiest positions on the diamond to learn. Is any position easy in Major League Baseball? No, that's no. not what I'm saying. No. But he's a hot bat. He's in a stadium that looks like it's going to end up favoring left-handed batters or right. hitters in SunTrust Park. we got to find a way to keep this guy in the lineup. He's 27 years old. He could very well be a part of our future. Who knows? If maybe he can shag a fly ball or two. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, when we come back in the 400 level, we're going to talk the NBA Finals, and geez, man, uh, I took a nap and almost missed the whole damn thing. <laughs> we'll be back. Yeah.
Welcome back to the 400 level. Bo Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, DJ Raytone spinning some pot. Now, as we left that last segment, we went out to Hail Mary. One of my favorite pot songs of all time. Off the uh, the album, Doc Luminati. The Machiavelli album, yep. Yeah. The first album to come out after Pac died, and the one that rose the most suspicion about Pac faking his own death, because Machiavelli was a guy that back in the day supposedly came back from the dead to exact revenge on all of his enemies. Right. And Pac started calling out the Machiavelli, or Machiavelli, but it's, right. he got it from the Machiavelli reference. Sure, sure. Start calling this out in the last couple of years of his of his life, in quotes. It it conspiracy theories on the pot death man are, are so much fun to kind of get into, and I wish the guy was still here because he'd still be throwing records out. I think Pac and Eminem would be battling. Well, because they're similar ages. Eminem's forty three, if I'm not mistaken. Pac would have been forty six. Yeah, they're, they're actually they are one year apart. Uh, uh, Eminem is actually one month oh, older than me. So Eminem's up to forty five. Uh, forty four. Uh, he'll, he'll be forty five on his next birthday. Absolutely. Eminem was forty three when he was at Music Midtown. That okay. was actually two years ago. Wow. So time does kind of fly. I think the thing with Tupac that. Uh, that I think he would be very, very heavily into was the acting because I thought he was a phenomenal actor, uh, you know, before he passed. And uh, I think he would have really, really taken off in that arena. Favorite movie Pac was in of uh, all time? Juice. Easy. That's to be Juice, right? I mean, he's got other movies, but but Juice is my one. And, And by the way, that was his film debut and he killed it. Wow, was it really? Film Juice debut. is the one where he gets shot at the end, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah but uh, you know, but he also had shot many, yeah, many people yeah. prior well, to somebody, that. Well, somebody, but doesn't doesn't uh, Omar Epps, Marlon Williams, or Omar Epps, somebody Omar. comes in the club and puts some slug in his chest, right? Um, was that Juice or was, no? no you, that was. Uh, you, you, you think it's something different? You think it's something? That different. was the basketball movie. Yes, uh, above the rim. Yes, above yes, the rim. Good movie. Great movie. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. So welcome out of the four hundred level. You know, as we do see the whole field. We'd like to keep it. We'd like to keep it current, and we'd like to talk a little, a little pop culture and whatnot. So today, being Pac's birthday, we're going to talk about some pop. Absolutely. Thank you once again for listening and downloading the 400 level on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, however you choose to to find us. If you're listening because somebody texted you the 400 level on a text message and forward that text on to somebody you think might want to be entertained while you're in the car sitting on the throne at the gym. Boom. The beauty of podcasting is you could pause this and pick us up later. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Jedi Sports Radio. Jermaine is at DJ Raytone. Follow the show at 400 Level Radio. Like our Facebook pages, The 400 Level and DJ Raytone. So, Tone, the basketball guy. Yep. NBA Finals. Over in five. You called six. I called seven. And I think that might have been just wishful thinking, possibly, as maybe we wanted to for it to go that long. But the Warriors went out to a, got out to a 3-1 lead last year without KD. Logic would tell you that this would have, this should have, and, and a five-game series is the most logical, or a sweep is the most logical outcome, as the Dubs got way better in the offseason. The Cavs, not so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, 4-1, um, that's, you know, considered in many annals as a gentleman's sweep. Um, I did feel like Cleveland, um, I felt like, I felt like Cleveland just, you know, they matched up well with Golden State as far as their physicality and things of that nature. So I thought they would be able to push the series at least till six. Um, but you know, once Golden State got up 3-0, it was just a matter of time. Um, you know, so shouts out to Golden State for, uh, regaining their crown. It's now two championships in three seasons. Uh, you know, they are on the cusp of a dynasty if they can keep this uh, core together. Um, their their core, their main guys are all in their 20s still. 
Um, I know there's talk of a, you know, super team this, super team that, you know, is is our super teams good for the league? And super teams have been a part of the NBA for so many years. So what you're seeing in Golden State right now is nothing new. So this thing just basically turned out to be a situation where the Warriors had too much depth for the Cavaliers to handle as LeBron James, who actually set an NBA record with a fin- finishing an NBA final, only player to finish an NBA finals, averaging a triple-double. Yep, is that first, right? First time in history. In a losing effort. Yep. In a five-game losing effort. So LeBron averages a triple-double in the NBA finals, and they lose four games to one. Yep. All right? It's it's a situation of death. And anybody that's trying to hate on LeBron, and I am not a LeBron fan. Okay. I will not stick up for LeBron for anything, and it's not for his on-the-court play. On the court, he is a great player. All right? They just, he just didn't have enough help. There's only so much he could do. And by the end of this finals, by games four and five, he was completely exhausted and still putting up numbers. Well, coming into the NBA finals, you know, I didn't really hear about Cleveland not having enough help. You know, the not enough help thing really didn't come into play until we started seeing the difference in talent between the two teams. Now, we talk about, you know, Kyrie. There was even talk coming into the series that Kyrie Irving was actually a superior player to Steph Curry, which is not true. I mean, with all due respect to Kyrie Irving, he is not the player that Steph Curry is. Steph Curry in this series averaged 27 points, eight rebounds, and nine assists. He was that's, absolutely magnificent. That's mag- typically a line you're going to see of an MVP. Yeah, he, he was absolutely magnificent. Kind of under the radar, though, because Kevin Durant, the series MVP, was so amazing. In fact, you know, the, the numbers that Durant and LeBron put up mostly why guarding each other was just absolutely phenomenal. There was definitely a difference. Um, it remains to be seen what kind of moves Cleveland uh, needs to do in the offseason to kind of, you know, bolster their roster to see if they can compete with Golden State in the next year or so. But um, right now it looks like there's a pretty big gap between the two teams. So congratulations once again to the Golden State Warriors. Shout out to uh, my friend and co-worker at 19 on the game, Craig Carlos Valentino, one of the only true Warrior fans that I actually know. He actually went out to Oakland is where he was born and raised, went out to the uh, Bay Area to catch the parade. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, parade. videos all over the place. This guy never shies away from being a Dubs fan. He's got this freaking Dubs hat, same hat he's worn for at least the three years that I've known him every day at 19 on the game, even in the offseason. Okay. See, I'm a cat that, like, when, when basketball is over, I don't wear basketball gear. When baseball season's over, I don't wear baseball gear. Right. Because there's other sports going on, you, and you I've got favorite seasonal. teams in those sports, too. You keep it seasonal. You know, so congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Now, let's touch on this super team thing for a minute because you're exactly right, and people can't get it out of their mouth, can't get it out of their minds. Everybody's bitching and moaning or crying and complaining about KD going to the Warriors. Say, I've even actually – heard people say who are the Cavs going to get to make this thing fair again fair you want to bring up fairness in professional sports because one team was better than all the rest of them right well that's what professional sports are all about. that's what sport is all about winning exactly and you know we talk about super teams I mean let's just right now talk about how the Golden State Warriors were put together uh Steph Curry was a seventh um it was the seventh overall pick Clay Thompson in his draft was the 11th overall pick. Both of these guys were considered nice players coming out of college. Neither one was considered a transcendent player. You know, they happen to be two of 
maybe two of arguably the greatest shooters of all time. This is Curry and Klay Thompson I'm speaking of. Draymond Green was a second-round draft pick after four years at Michigan State. No one saw him being an all-star performer in the NBA. Then, a few years later, a year removed after them winning a championship, they lose in the NBA Finals, and they simply go out and get the best free agent available, which was Kevin Durant. No crime committed, folks. I understand that Golden State had just beaten Oklahoma City in seven games, and Kevin Durant chooses to join the Golden State Warriors, but a young man, a young millionaire moving to Northern California, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? From that, Oklahoma. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we go back to Oklahoma. the 80s. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, let's, let's make sure. We, we may have listeners in Oklahoma, so we definitely don't want to troll Oklahoma City. Well, nothing but, uh, against your city, <laughs> but a 28-, 27-year-old millionaire, when he gets paid California over Oklahoma, you're talking about the Midwest – and you got cornfields or you got celebrityism. Right. You know, I mean, the decision's easy. Exactly. For so, Kevin Durant. Yeah, easy decision. And, you know, Kevin Durant was rolling up on his 10th year in the NBA. This, this man wanted to win, and he saw an easier path to get there. Who wouldn't take an easier path in their profession to get to the promised land? I think you would, Bo. I know I would. Absolutely, man. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. It's all about winning. It's all about rising to the top. It's all about making all the money you can make. And Kevin Durant, by the way, let's be very clear here, he was the best player for a championship-winning team, finals MVP, well-deserved. So this man did his part. He did not ride the coattails of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He put his stamp, his individual stamp, on the Golden State Warriors and was the reason that they are the 2017 NBA champions. Now, I don't know if the term, and maybe that's where we've gone wrong, is actually labeling what's going on in the NBA these days. But this has been going on in the NBA since the NBA was was started. I mean, were the Showtime Lakers not a super team? I mean, we can go back to the 80s. There's actually a riveting 30 for 30 that is on ESPN currently. It's been playing all week uh, called the Best of the Best of Enemies. Uh basically chronicling the Boston Celtics-Los Angeles Lakers rivalry over the years, specifically in the 80s. And if you look at some of those rosters, you know, with the Lakers, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, James Worthy. You look at the Celtics, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson. I mean, those sound like super teams to me. These things have been happening. A situation, a scenario that I want to bring up, Bo, that is most comparable to the Kevin Durant moving to the Golden State Warriors this year Let's roll back to 1982-83. You had Moses Malone, who was considered one of the two or three best players in the league at that time, just like Kevin Durant is now, was playing for the Houston Rockets. He actually led the Houston Rockets to the NBA Finals in 1981, eventually losing to Larry Bird's Celtics. A couple of years later, he had an opportunity, uh, and he was traded. He actually demanded a trade to the Philadelphia 76ers, who were on the cusp of winning a championship but just couldn't get over the top. So you have the best player, one of the best players in the league, joining a team who had been to the NBA Finals two of the three previous seasons. And guess what they did in 1983? They won it all. So even what Kevin Durant, of course, he chose to go to Golden State where Moses Malone basically forced a trade to the Philadelphia 76ers. But this type of thing, folks, has been going on for years And it's going to continue to go on. You know, LeBron James is on record recently saying he's never been a part of a super team. (laughs) Come on. Number one, that is incorrect. You engineered Chris Bosh and yourself joining the Miami Heat, joining Dwayne Wade, who was a previous NBA champion. And you guys did this to join forces 
to win multiple championships. And guess what? And did so, right? You did it. So Now, wouldn't you consider Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh Hall of Famers? Unequivocally. Dwayne Wade was a previous NBA Finals MVP. Yeah. Chris Bosh was a 20 and 10, was a perennial 20 and 10 guy for a playoff Toronto Raptors team. So, yes, that was a super team. And then, you know, obviously you had veterans that would come in, guys like Ray Allen, guys like Mike Miller, that joined the foray and helped LeBron and his other super friends win championships. Super teams have been around since the 80s, maybe even before that. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. They're here to stay. Now, you talk about the Showtime Lakers being a super team, and they most undoubtedly were battling against Larry Bird and the Celtics. Now, you talk about rivalries in sports also. Wouldn't you kind of say – let me break some stuff down for you real fast. Let me see what you think about this, this theory that I've, that I've derived. Because as you know, I kind of like conspiracies and conspiracy theories because I believe there is a backstory and two sides to every coin of every situation. Okay. Showtime Lakers battled Bird and the Celtics who also could have been considered a super team, too. Wasn't that like uh, Larry Bird, Parrish, uh, Kevin McHale? McHale. I mean, you got Red Auerbach pulling off some major, major heists to assemble the talent that he knew he needed to help Larry Bird win championships. I mean, this is just facts. So that that planted the seed for one of the best rivalries in sport in Celtics-Lakers. No question. All right, so you flash forward to, to the 90s, 2000s, and Kobe and Shaq on the Lakers, and the Boston Celtics had absolutely no answer for them either, so they formed a super team. Yep. You get uh, Paul Pierce, who had been on the Celtics his entire career. Uh, you know, He goes to Danny Ainge, who at this point was the Celtics general manager, still is, engineers a trade to acquire all-world power forward Kevin Garnett from the Minnesota Timberwolves. They bring in all-world shooting guard Ray Allen from the Seattle Supersonics, and it ends up turning out to be an NBA championship the same year in 2008. So you could then say that LeBron, after taking the Cavaliers to the finals by himself in Cleveland and in getting swept, right. in order to get back to those NBA finals with this Celtics super team up here, wouldn't he that had, be the reason that he went down to Miami and formed a super team himself? Absolutely, because I knew I, he knew he had to figure out a way to defeat the Boston Big Three, the Boston super team. So then LeBron catches hell in Miami after winning two championships, but sees that that team's aging. Right. Goes back to Cleveland to form his own super team. Kind of does. Joining Kyrie Irving, making sure that the Cleveland Brass pulls off a trade to acquire all-world power forward from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Love. So then they go up against the Golden State Warriors, who are an up-and-coming young team. The Warriors win the first round, right? then the Cavs come back from 3-1 in the second round. So the Warriors are like, well, what do we got to do to beat this team? Enter KD to the Warriors. Let's, fig- this- Let's figure out a way to go out and get the best available free agent, which happens to be Kevin Durant, the second or third best player in the league, someone that will go head-to-head against LeBron, almost cancel him out in a, in a series, and that's exactly what they did, and look what the result was. So you could say that if this Dubs team ends up being a dynasty, if they stay together, that could very well be blamed on LeBron and him coming back from 3-1 because they wouldn't have gone and got KD nope. had they won. Absolutely not. But had- they might not have won the championship. They might not have even been in the finals this year. You know, It could have been somebody else, and they might not have beat the Cavs had they not gotten KD. Right. There, there's, there's, this, there's this serious ripple effect. There's a lot of things that go down, and, and that is the beauty of sports. That's definitely the beauty of NBA. 
uh, generally speaking in the NBA, before you win a championship, you have to go through a rite of passage or you have to go through something, some, some form of adversity before you end up popping bottles. And with Golden State blowing that 3-1 lead last year and eventually losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they knew they had to bolster their roster. They had to they had to shake some things up, and they went out and got Kevin Durant. So there's a ripple effect that causes – There's an and absolute ripple effect. And it's been going down since the 80s. You know, one thing leads to another. A lot of these old uh, old players, old guys from back in the day, say that this is Kevin Durant did something that they never would do. I, I, I beg to differ. I say it's something that they did not have the opportunity to do because yep. if they had the opportunity to do it, I tell you what, I think most of them would have done the same exact thing that Kevin Durant did. So to not go too far back and just burst all the millennials' heads out there that are listening to us, let's let's cut it in half and let's go back as far as the modern-day great Lakers team. You could very well blame all this super team, all these super teams and all these players chasing championships. You could very well blame all that on one Kobe being Bryant the last great player to not really need a super team. Exactly. And those transcendent players only come out, come through once in a generation. Exactly. I mean, you know, you definitely can lend some credence to that, um, you know, because the Celtics, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, the first year they were formed, they faced one Kobe Bean Bryant in the finals, and they were able to beat him four games of two. Of course, Kobe exacted revenge two years later. So there you have it, the NBA guy and the uh, conspiracy theory guy on the NBA Finals. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, a lot of fun this stuff is. When we come back in the 400 level, we're going to find out where you at. Yeah. And come knew he do the same thing if he could. Because in the hood, true homies make you feel good. And half the times we be acting up, call the cops. Bringing a cease to the peace that was on my block. And never stops when my mama asked me, will it change? Tell it, yeah, but it's clear. Welcome about the 400 level. Bo Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, DJ Raytone, coming at you from the northern Atlanta burbs in the Cowatone Studios in Smyrna, Georgia. Thank you once again for listening to the 400 level podcast, for downloading on iTunes and for and SoundCloud, for uh, following us on the, on the Twitter. As much as we love, and we're looking for sponsors, by the way, doing this podcast for free, we can't do everything for free. We need you to come out and see us. And follow us and hire us to do gigs all over the city. So, DJ Raytone, where are you at this week? Of course, tonight is Friday. We got the Friday night turn up at uh, 10 Lizzie's at the Mall of Georgia. Uh, continuing at it is going extremely, extremely well. So, if you are in North Gwinnett, come holler at me on a Friday. Come holler at me tonight. I'll be there. Uh, spin start around 9 o'clock. We go to about 1, 1.30. Uh, tomorrow night, I return to JCT Kitchen and Bar on Howell Mill. Um, I will be there starting around 9.15, 9.30, be there until last call. Hopefully the weather uh, will hold up. Mother Nature will withhold the rain, and we can uh, be partying on the patio deck at JCT. So tonight, 10 Lizzie's Mall of Georgia. Tomorrow night, JCT Kitchen and Bar. Come holler at DJ Raytone. Both great places. Go check DJ Raytone and, uh, and his spins. As you can tell by, uh, by this show, DJ Raytone's got some great taste in music, and it is, in fact, the turn-up. Atlanta Braves host the Miami Marlins tonight. It is Dansby Swanson Bobblehead Night. Come check us out at Turner at uh, SunTrust Park. 
Tomorrow is a 4 o'clock game followed by a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. We're in a 10-game homestand this week, next week and a half. Come and check out the Braves as they uh, continue to march on to you know, the future, possibly. You can also wake up super early Sunday morning with Sam Crenshaw and Greg Clarkson, produced by yours truly on the Sam and Greg Show. Sunday morning from 6 to 10 on Sports Radio 92 on the game. Please come check that out as well. And that's all we got for you this week. want to thank you once again for following us, for downloading, for sharing with your friends. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on SoundCloud, whichever phone you have the ability to do those on. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Jedi Sports Radio. He is at DJ Raytone. Follow the show at 400 Level Radio. Check out our Facebook pages. You can go to Facebook and like the 400 Level. Then you will get a notification every time we post a podcast to the 400 Level. Lots of great news and, and stuff coming up as we continue to march around studios all around the city and have some live podcasts for you. Definitely would be remiss. Definitely want to wish a very, very happy Father's Day out there to all the dads. That's uh, right. Happy Father's Day to Sunday you, Bo. Father's Day. Happy future Father's Day to you. Yeah, Sean. man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely happy Father's Day to my dad. Um, we'll be celebrating with him on Sunday. So happy Daddy's Day to all the dads out there, man. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, to my dad, your dad, and all the stepdads out there that are out there uh, doing work. You yeah, know, man. Not all dads deserve to be remembered, and not all stepdads deserve to be forgotten. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Father's Day this weekend. Tune into the 400 level next week. Come check us out when we're out in public. We're right down the street from you. Yeah. Cheers. Peace. Ain't no time for commitment. I gotta go. Can't be with you every minute. This another show. And even though I'm known for my one night stand. Look here, I wanna be an honest man. But Tim Tate's is gone.